I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram's a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado. With me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. My man. Hey, hey. I was listening through one of our podcasts this afternoon and thinking, I wonder what is going through TJ's mind during that entire run-up. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, is it, I got to get the timing right? Uh, is, uh, well, it's, it's probably different every time, but I'll tell you what this time was. Uh, I was thinking about how long it's been since we actually sat down and recorded. <laughs> That's right. And it's like, like, has it been years? It hasn't been years, right? Like it can't have been years. That's kind of what it feels like. It was. I, I think the last time we recorded was last year. So almost years, but not really. It's been less than a month ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a but, few weeks. Yeah, <laughs> it's, been, it's been some time. Yeah. During that time, I've been rewatching with uh, my beloved spouse the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Excellent. on like number sixteen. We're on what Guardians two. Okay. Yeah. And, You're pretty uh, far along. Watching it, rethinking through our mm-hmm. fantastic discussion through the MCU where we typed all the characters. Yeah. And uh, thinking, I think we got that wrong. No. I think there was two two characters that we got wrong, but for the most part, I kept thinking, oh, yeah, TJ got that one right. <laughs> and then I affirmed it later, and now it's so blindingly mm. obvious. Yeah, whoops. Thor, man. <laughs> Thor 4 really cinched it for me. Uh, you know let me what? rephrase that. Thor 4 just, re- just really reinforced what I already knew. I think it's, uh, we, we can set Thor aside. For those of you who have actually listened <laughs> to this, we'll set Thor aside for a moment. I actually t- t- texted TJ in the movie theater saying, Thor's a seven. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the writers decided to make him a seven. It's They hired that darn Taika Waititi and then just took all of my arguments yeah, shoving them out the window. Yeah, Taika, he, he does that. By the way, if, dear listener, you want to hear this, you can go to aroundthecircle.org and click on podcasts, and there is a link to our, man, it was long. It was like six episodes, or six-episode deep dive into the MCU. Yeah, that was a big one. That was our first big one, right? Wasn't it? I think we, I think we did Star Wars before it. Okay. Star Wars remember. is still on the podcast feed, but we moved uh, the MCU over to Patreon. Okay. By the way, you don't need to pay. You just need to go to Patreon. Sure. And then you'll look at Patreon and say, "Yeah, I should chip in five bucks yeah. for 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 the around the circle guys." Sort of like when Radiohead put out that free album. It's like you can download it for free, but if you want to give us money, you can. Did they? How did they do with that? They did just fine. They did. <laughs> Radiohead is not struggling for money. <laughs> they're, they're not. They're not hurting. <laughs> Live gigs, man. That's a, that's apparently oh, it was David Bowie, wasn't it? Who decided I'm just going to start releasing my music for free. That sounds I think about he was, right. I think he was the first one to do it online because I think uh, oh, monetarily yeah. he just makes all his money off shows. Right. And well, did. Yeah. R.I.P. David Bowie. Yeah. 
So we're starting the new year. It's uh, it's obviously like we're recording on January 25th and this will probably come out next week, but sometimes even after the new year, it's still worth kind of doing some housekeeping. Now the hangovers are all gone, you know. Now you're kind of into the flow. I was even thinking about like like not only are we catching people at the at the beginning of the year, but but we're also catching people like after those first few weeks of I'm going to do all the things and then like they settle back into normal. So like we're back to a little bit of normal with still the idea of the beginning of the year at front of mind. So everyone who bought a gym membership and is never going back there, they've already (laughs) done the, the handful of times that they're going to the gym and now they need another thing to think about how to improve themselves because they're not going back. This is, I actually skip the gym in January because it's so crowded. Mm -hmm. And then I go back around February for exactly this reason. Sure. (laughs) I've heard rumors about that, things like that, but. (laughs) Don't let him fool you, kids. TJ Wilson, workout Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) Picking up that, that, uh, what, two-year-old, three-year-old? How old is Fiona? Uh, She's almost three. Yeah. Almost three. So, I mean, that at least that strengthens your oh, back. Oh, man. Feeling my body change as she gets it's like adjusting to what I have to do with her, picking her up and moving her around and stuff. Oof. Sitting on the floor and playing with toys. Man, I hate sitting on the floor. <laughs> There's got to be some yoga, some, something you can take care of down there. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's, it's all just sort of like trying to keep back a, a flood of issues because you know chronic pain disease plus toddler there's not really anything i can do to solve this problem (laughs) well speaking of things that you avoid (laughs) this is the thing that i think would be a great topic to start your year this is where my meditations have gone this has been like my advice to a couple people in terms of we're jumping into the year where do you where where do you kind of go you know what's a fresh enneagram thought for you And for me, this keeps coming up, and it's about what we avoid. Worth naming the things that you avoid. We've talked about this in the past in a episode uh, in our shadow series, which was labeled hazards. But all of us, given our type, have things that we instinctively swerve around. We we just got a radar for these things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be helpful, but oftentimes the things that we avoid actually have real power in affecting our relationships and affecting our inner health and self-perception in just how we are, you know, standing up and being a, a strong person, as it were. And I don't know if we used this metaphor at the time, but we've used the, the idea that uh, imagine somebody who's carrying a 50-pound weight in one hand that kind of pulls them. Mm-hmm. And these hazards, the things that we avoid, kind of have that power to almost lurch us to the left there right. a bit. The hazard, when we name it, actually is going to, there's something underneath it and that probably needs to get named, and that right. can be really helpful. So a lot of the work that we'll do today is going to be our shadow side. It's kind of depthy. Hopefully it won't hurt too bad, but it's the beginning of the year, and perhaps it's the case that you just need something and you're like, oh, I want to work on something inside. And that's where we're going. And, and, and tr- starting to figure out like, like 
it having the fifty pound weight is is sort of instinctual, but but the reason that you have the fifty pound weight that that's part that we often don't see. It's sort of like like when when you swerve to avoid a boulder in the on the mountain road and the highway, you're not actually avoiding the boulder. You're avoiding crashing your car into the boulder. Like that's that the thing that you're avoiding is actually pointing at something else. So becoming aware of that and, and figuring out how to sort of integrate that and, and use it and that it's just a better path to try and actually work on things that, that you need to work on. Truth. Well, as around the circle, we pick a topic, go around the circle. I would love to start with the sixes. Great. One of the things with sixes is uh, the avoidance comes out real clean, I think. And uh, our list has that sixes avoid hope and trust. Mm -hmm. Uh, This isn't only for those people out there, but this is also directed at themselves. Right. And what I would love to do with what we're avoiding is just ask the question, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about trusting yourself or hoping in your abilities or hoping things will go well out there? Or trusting other people. Like, what are the first things that come to your mind as a six? And just writing those down, I think, would be very, very valuable. And I think for the um, for the rest of us, this is a really interesting place to start because I think this is one of the ones that, like, I, I'm, I'm a pretty, you know, I, I lean toward more pessimistic when it comes to other people, uh, and. And I still have a hard time understanding uh, instinctively what it means to to avoid hope, to avoid trust uh, of myself and others. And and this is something that, that sixes just live with. This is this is the place that they live. And so, getting a glimpse into the fat, into what it means to to filter everything through, to filter your whole experience through. That this place where other people, other things are dangerous and and don't and shouldn't be trusted at face value. Uh, this is this explains a lot about how, how sixes work. I actually have a question for you on that. As I was looking at this list, I was thinking, I wonder if our security and stress numbers aren't worth noting here as well. So for you as a nine, there is some of the uh, we had mentioned it earlier. Is there is it hard to trust your body? Is it hard to, I I do know that you're not the biggest fan of trusting everybody. Right. And I suppose that's not necessarily the goal, but is that not on your radar in, in some ways? I think that it, it is on my radar and, and I, I'm definitely a unique uh, representation of nines on this because most nines are, are pretty, you know, affable and, and easygoing and, and they like to, you know, give everyone the benefit of the doubt at the first and, and I'm sort of the opposite, but, but that's more has more to do with my personal experience and, and my built in negativity. Uh, but thinking about like, I, I don't trust my body and, um, there's, there's a lot of experiences that I'm sort of skeptical about, uh, going into it, but I don't, I, I come into it with more of a, a wait and see kind of attitude and sixes don't sixes prepare for the the potential failures i don't i say "Eh, we'll see what happens and and just wait until like i i hope it goes well i i would love for it to go well and i'd love to Mm -hmm. be surprised by it going better than i expect but sixes are prepared for it to go badly right 
And I think we, this is how we see this manifesting, is that they prepare for the eventualities of things breaking, of, of people bet- uh, of people not coming through, of, of people not being by their side when they need them. They, they prepare for things going wrong. And if they are prepared, then they will be safe because it's safer to be prepared than to trust that things will go well. I suppose on the flip side, my wife and I have lifelong friends whose daughter was hospitalized yesterday and was under a severe, was in a really bad situation where she had to have her head cut into um, had a, a brain aneurysm and a very young girl. And they knew that this was coming. And my wife, kind of the high point of her interaction with our friends was saying to them that they had permission to hope. Mm. And I think that was more about looking at the list. That might be more about her, like just longing for grasping for a feeling of security. Sure. You know, and I wonder if there's not something in this avoidance list that's kind of of that sort that we're going to see ourselves, our stress number, our security number and our center of the things that we avoid in different kind of ways. Sure. But she got real emotional about that. Um, might be something there. Yeah, of of sort of offering hope to this to this family. Yeah, because it was almost like she knew that it was going to be very very difficult mm-hmm. to hope. Yeah, as a three, and going to six space, you know, again, kind of clutching at or grasping for that feeling of security for herself. Sure, in, yeah. In six space. And and almost carrying it for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing it back to sixes, that avoidance, as we've said in the past, is coming out of their fear of lacking support. And those go together, the avoidance yeah. of hope and trust and the fear of lacking support. You want to unpack that? Yeah, I think that, um, like I said, the, it, it's safer to to prepare for things going badly than it is to trust that things will work out. Uh, that, that comes from this, this place of, of lacking the support of lacking, of, of fearing lacking support, of fearing not being enough, of fearing that, that they won't, uh, they won't have the people, the tools, the resources around them to, to be able to, to be safe, to be taken care of, to be, to do what they need to do like it, it all manifests in in this way of instead of hoping for the best let's prepare for the worst because that fear is is paramount that fear is is at the core of of who they are of of what is it, how they what drives them and so like if you fear not being taken care of, if you fear not having the resources, if you fear not being enough to get through your stuff, then you're going to really work hard to avoid. You're going to really work hard to to make sure that those things are around you, uh, that, that you're prepared for all of the situations. Yeah, and and so the support there isn't just other human beings. It's... It's all the things, right? That may fall apart right. around you, and and because they don't trust themselves, it's it's preparing for all of the situations because I they don't trust themselves enough to know which situation it's gonna be to know, like 
to know that they will have the resources, that they will be able to do what's needed in any given situation. They need to prepare for all of them. Right. Yeah. The rhythm here, I suppose, for all the types then is going to be, you know, what are you avoiding? Can you put a name to that? And perhaps a depthier step is, you know, what, what's that coming out of? But just to circle back for thinking repressed sixes, getting some paper, writing it down. What are the things that you are intentionally avoiding to hope in, you know, to hope that things will go well, to try, you know, where are you choosing not to trust things that have clearly for many, many seasons been trustworthy? And that includes yourself. Yeah, right. Right. This is, we talk about this a lot that the idea of journaling is a really good practice for um, sixes, for twos, ones, and sixes, all, all thinking repressed, but particularly for sixes because they can't remember their own success. They can't remember their own uh, abilities, the things that they have done well in the past because every situation is new and, and we never hope, we never trust that it's going to work out. So remembering the things that have happened that will help you prepare a little bit more for the things that might happen. Moving to sevens, uh, sevens are going to avoid stagnation. Uh, where are you? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about being stuck? I think that would be very, very helpful for a seven because right. I bet you there's some blinking lights that come and say, don't go there. Don't have that conversation with that person. That's at least 45 minutes that I'm never going to get back. You know, <laughs> don't don't take that job. Or uh, what else might sevens like be on the radar for sevens in terms of this is a place of stuckedness? Well, I, I think that in a, in a big way, sevens are going to be uh, really almost in denial about this unless they're already aware of it because it's not... In in a lot of sevens' minds, it's not that they're avoiding stagnation. It's not that they're looking to make sure they aren't stuck. It's that there are more opportunities. It's that I want to make sure I can get to this thing. It's not the the way that they see it is sort of a reframing of their their own vision of of this idea. It's it's I it's not that I'm avoiding that. It's that I want to go to that. Right. And so sevens need to spend the time and the energy to, to realize that the possibilities in front of you are actually because you're avoiding something behind you. Right. That thing behind you is going to be the thing you fear, perhaps, and have had experience in, and it would be something like deprivation. Like right. you, you know what it's like to lack, and therefore you're up on your feet and you're moving. Right. And you're thinking about things in the future. Right. Not going to get stuck. Got to keep this door open. Yeah. All the, uh, all the head types are going to be concerned with resources, but that's, that's, that's how the, the seven's going to move through the world. Again, that strikes me as real helpful in terms of once the seven names, this is where I'm avoiding stagnation. What then is the, uh, similar to the sixes, what's, what's the recommendation? Uh, I think in, the, in a big way is uh, four sevens is becoming aware of it. Uh, we have a, a friend who is a seven who who realized that a big part of why, like they, their family is is from England and and they uh, live here, but they kind of want to make sure they can always have an opportunity to move back to England. And a big part of their decision making is about making sure they keep that door open. 
and realizing that that was actually about the fear that they might not get to move back to England someday. Like that, that totally changed how they see this whole situation. So uh, uh, zoom out from that example a little bit. It becoming aware that you are actually avoiding something is going to be a big step towards learning how to overcome that avoidance to, to learning that, that you have things that you can sit in that, that the stuckedness is not something to necessarily be afraid of and, and shouldn't be driving your life. You have to realize that that's what you're avoiding in the first place. Yeah. Sitting still, being present, these are these are not negatives. Mm-hmm. They're part of the healthy life. Right. But if if the if the jolt within you is I always need to keep moving, there's gotta be something new and flashy to experience now over there. Right. That that's just because you're avoiding something else. Yeah. I think that's really helpful. Um, and it's like, what, what are the places that you can sit in? You don't want to sit in all places. Some places are places of stuckedness that you don't want to be, but there's some places that you should intentionally say, this is for me. This is a place that I need to be present with my full self, not, not thinking about things tomorrow. Right. And be here. Right. And and really, if, if life was all sunshine and rainbows, we'd all get really bored. Truth. I feel this way, oh, especially, so I wanted to circle back to myself and how this is part of my security number, but in my one side, there are a bunch of places where when I've knocked out the things I need to knock out, I need a new to-do list. Sure. Otherwise, for me, it is, otherwise I'm not a good person because I've got all this time that I should be using for constructive adventures, and I'd, I have very difficult time resting. Because there's always there's always work to be done. I feel like there's something there for us on on the lines, and so too I suppose for fives. And how would this work for for fives avoiding stagnation? Thinking about it through the lens of your example with Kelly, I think that it's it's more about offering stillness to other people. Yeah, like the um, Kelly offering hope and needing hope, mm-hmm. where we were talking about sixes avoiding hope, fives offer stillness and focus where sevens are avoiding stillness and focus. Yeah. I see what you're going there. Moving to eights. The, the whole exercise here came to my mind when I was thinking about my child, because I wanted to ask them, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say, these are places you're avoiding being vulnerable. And that just kind of sang in my heart as, as a worthy endeavor for them to really, yeah, Think on, process, name, because for them, if, if those places have power or they, they may even have some bit of control because, you know, you think you'll be vulnerable if you're in those spaces. Right. And especially even the idea of admitting that you're avoiding vulnerability is itself void vulnerable. Right. So there's there's definitely something to to be said for really intentionally and you don't have to share it with anyone you don't have to tell people about this but really spending the energy to to think about how are you projecting an image of strength how are you where are you actually avoiding vulnerability 
this is a place where there's there's something that needs to be addressed here. For them, it's it's all two things. It's places that they feel pain, um, or specifically places where they won't be in control. Right. Somebody else will be pushing them to do what they want, and they get out of their element. Again, the avoidance is emerging from these fears. Right. So if you can name, here's the here are the things that I'm avoiding and why. That I imagine that can be very helpful. Yeah. And and eights, I think, is a is a good window into the idea that like avoiding all vulnerability, avoiding letting any anything hurt you, it really means that that you're not ever going to be true truly yourself if if you're always going to be strong then eventually like that will turn into the only thing that you are i can hear eights around the the world saying what's so bad about that engaging with life and beauty and goodness is not always strong yeah it's going to keep you again unbalanced right eights who are able to access the full spectrum of their hearts their feelings will will be dynamic very uh powerful people whereas right. those who just triple down on strength for strength's sake not powerful people right so i like that like again for eights as an exercise what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about these are the places that I'm avoiding being vulnerable. Those might be relational. I, I was talking about places for my kid where it's very much locations, um, but you know, relationships, locations, things that you need to do, they're important. It's a new year. I think those are valuable. Nines, nines avoid conflict. Where is it that you're avoiding conflict? Where are the first few things that come to mind? Again, locations, relationships, I imagine things, you know, personal habits might might come to mind. What, what goes through your head here for nines? Yeah, I think there's, um, especially thinking about like, like beginning of the year, kind of um, how how we all want to like New Year, New Me kind of stuff, and and two weeks in, it's like, oh no, New Year, exact same me, or maybe worse me than I was. Because I don't count the holidays as a real period of time where where we change much. Because you know the the holidays happen and then you get back to your real life. Uh, so mm-hmm. the idea of New Year, New Me, and and how I go, I navigate this whole scenario is is always like there are lots of things that I want to change about myself, like habits that I want to break or new habits that I want to pick up or. Or whatever else, like I, I want to watch less TV. I want to read more books. I want to do these things, and and realistically, part of avoiding conflict is about being unable to change my routines. And and when I say unable, I mean I've I've tried to change things, and then a whole day goes by, and it's like, oh crap! I totally forgot to do all of the things that I talked about, and it's because I'm avoiding the conflict that comes from what that change represents. Like the, the, the conflict of change is a thing that I avoid and, and becoming more and more aware of this, this avoidance and, and realizing that 
I can't break old habits because I don't want to change because that change means that anything could happen and it's, it's going to be hard and it's going to be painful. And like, these are conflicts. It's not just arguments with other people. It's also anything that disrupts my peace. And so I, I avoid those things and, and I need to become aware of that is a big part of why I can't move forward. A lot of the stuff for the anchor points for three sixes and nines, you're going to see the direction going both inward and outward here. And that's mm-hmm. what I suppose I hear. Yep. It's not just relationships of avoiding conflict out there. It's also the avoiding conflict within. Right. Um, all of that comes from the fear uh, in our list of losing connection. The nine's fear losing connection, and I, I, I love your diagram there because it's there. There is a fear of losing connection with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I don't know if it'll make the cut, but we were talking about yoga a minute ago, and just the idea of if I stretch things out a little bit, it might break something open, and then I'm gonna have to deal with that. Right. Feel, it feels like that kind of energy, yeah, yeah, or, it, or perspective. Yeah, it it changes. If I start going to the gym, it changes how what I know about my body, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and it might change for the better. But I'm I'm okay with where I am right now, and I'd rather stay where I am than risk the the potential damage that might come from change. Yeah, or the potential separation you might say that would come from change. Right. Yeah. May not work. I suppose I can skip uh, security numbers or stress numbers, but I really think this works for security numbers because I think sixes likewise may have something inside of them that would avoid conflict. Yeah. Their sixes will solve problems emotionally and so will bring up the problems, but certainly not being able to trust that the relationships going to stick around if there's conflict, I imagine would be a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I suppose I've just heard that line in from couples that, uh, one of which might be a six who, you know, there's just like an underlying energy there that before we even have a, a hard discussion, it can't result in a fight because if it does, they might leave. And right. it's again that grasping, that grasping for security, like mm-hmm. my, you know, that feels like it colors some of that. I totally skipped the fives on this, but it worked for fives and going to eight. Uh, that fives can often avoid true vulnerability. Fives often will shield their emotional life from from those. Really hold it close. Right. Right. Um, so again, there's something there in terms of the the hazards. So anyway, as a as an exercise, not only your own number, but perhaps your security number, the reflection, it might, it might be valuable to to sit on these. So yeah, for, so for nines, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear about avoiding conflict? And I, I suppose we've talked about this in the past, but you don't have to, you know, jump into all conflicts, obviously. Right. Right, but there are some there are some fights worth having, yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some fights worth having, and there's there's some change that it's good to embrace, uh, and and even just acknowledging that like you are not in control of certain situations and and letting it happen, like I uh, the as a manager as a as a 
as a building manager, as, as someone who, who works in a space with other people, this is something that I actually have to do pretty regularly is acknowledge that like, I am not the only one in charge of this space and it's okay for me to like voice my opinion and let it be known. And then if I don't get my way, let it go. Yep. And, and there's like the, there's a lot of those kinds of situations where I, I have a pretty good guess about what will go wrong and also, it doesn't matter because it'll just be one day. And, right. and accepting that, that that conflict is going to happen and like that that thing about like like customers might come in, might not be might not stay because of this situation on this one day. It doesn't matter because they'll come back. It's fine. And if they won't come back because of that one day, I mean, I can't do anything about that. And, and avoiding that conflict is actually causing more problems and more stress for me and, and more like the internal ugliness that's happening when I'm avoiding that conflict. It, it, it's, it's devastating. And once I start to, you know, practice letting that go, practice entering that space and saying, you know what, it's actually going to be okay. Uh, or this isn't going to last long enough to be a big deal or, um, I'm not the one in control of this, so I have to let it go because it's not mine. That that begins to to not not resolve the conflict, but give me practice at recognizing that not all conflict is is going to destroy me. Not all conflict is going to ruin everything. What I hear there is twofold. One is really helpful, I think, for nines to assert themselves because your presence matters. And if you yep. hang back, it's a dehumanizing hanging back. Yeah. Because in, in your mind and heart, you might believe, well, I'm going to step into this fight, but my words don't have any power. It really doesn't matter anyway. But in, in your presence does matter and your voice does matter. And, and having your voice at the table, really important. On the flip side, I mean... I, I don't hear, I, I don't imagine too many nines pushing way into it and like domineering in such a conflict, you know, um, although the eruption might take place, I suppose. It, it certainly has happened. <laughs> but what I heard in your language there was, was the movement to uh, your coping style and, and trying to spin, spin it positive. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there is a conflict here. I have said my piece. I've said the thing that needs to be said in this space. And then you, what, you get yourself postured around that, the results. And, and open. It, it's an openness. It's, mm. a, it's, it's an action-centered openness. Do you feel connected to people in that space? Can you? I think I can. I, I think we can. I think there, there's um, it, sharing what you really think uh, unless like if it's in a situation where where the the other person is healthy enough and 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 worth being in relationship with sharing what you think can usually builds relationship strengthens relationship and right and it also establishes that you're not always going to just lay down uh, this is particularly true. Like this is one of the things about the nine eight relationship that is so interesting is that that nines avoid conflict and eights use conflict to uh, to gauge relationships and mm -hmm. the 
when nine stand up to eights, a a bond is built. Right. And and like eights respect the nine and nines are able to to be in a scenario where the eight isn't just going to leave because the nine blew up at them. Like it, it, it builds a bond by doing the thing that the nine is actually avoiding. And I think there's, there's a lot to be said about um, creating and deepening and sustaining connection while uh, by being truly present by, 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 staking your claim to your piece of the earth you know yeah yeah when i suppose i want to piggyback on that like some of the places where i felt like of all things i lost connection with my mom the most was when she did avoid conflict yeah and and it's actually the what it's you know it's a shakespearean tragedy her fear of losing connection actually caused her to avoid conflict and that resulted in her losing connection right because we didn't communicate right, right. she outsourced he, a lot of the things she wanted to talk about to to her husband you know right right and even in the um even in the space where you are still directly connected like like thinking about yours and I, uh, our relationship you and me when i avoid conflict and just merge with you that there's a diminishment of myself Right. And and there's like the the more and more I just go along with things that I disagree with, the less and less of myself I'm bringing to the table, which means that we are less connected. We might be closer in a way, but there's less of me there. Exactly. And so, yeah, avoiding conflict doesn't actually get you to your goal. Yeah, there's the perception for for many nines that that if I, if I do engage in this, that I'll lose yeah connection. And, and actually the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. And that, that eight and that image is, is perfect for that as well. Right. Bang. So if you're nine, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you're think about where you're avoiding conflict within and without, uh, with ones, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about avoiding mistakes? I had a really hard time with this because of course you avoid mistakes. Who embraces mistakes? This this is lots this of is, people. <laughs> this makes no sense to me. <laughs> I suppose jumping into conflict probably doesn't make much sense to you as well. Yeah, that's crazy talk talk side, to me. Right. <laughs> um the the things that rattled through my head as I was doing this had mostly to do with things that I would say to my children and with you know, financial mistakes is what came to my mind. Tell me why, like, if uh, uh, in your mind, what does it look like for, for me to embrace that I might make mistakes here, uh, you know, as, as a healthy step? I'm going to answer your question, but not directly. I'm going to come at it sideways. I think that there is a very big difference between trying your hardest to do well and avoiding all mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, and once, and, and as, as a practice, I, I think that that is a big part of what ones need to come to terms with, is that avoiding all mistakes is not something you can actually achieve because 
everything is working against you. Your your body, your mind, your your heart, the world around you is like everything's so messed up and like gravity is a real thing and and sometimes, you know, sometimes our hands don't do what we want them to for no reason whatsoever. And like people get older and we forget things. And it's just part of being human that you're going to mess things up every once in a while. And avoiding all mistakes is not going to get you where you're trying to go because it's just going to create a cycle of beating yourself up over the things that you do mess up or the things that aren't perfect. Whereas, recognizing that you tried your hardest to do as well as you could, that is actually a good goal. And it's amazing that like, we're so good at teaching children this. Let me rephrase that. Some people are so good at teaching children this, that all that all that really matters is you try your hardest. And yet we're still bad at practicing this. And, and so part of that journey, part of becoming aware, part of coming to this place where you can actually separate those two ideas and recognize which one you're doing has to do with self-observance, has to do with really taking the time to figure out like, like what, what am I actually doing versus what the voices in my head are telling me that I'm doing. Yeah. 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 I hear two, two things on this front. One, it's, rigidity can be, you know, ossifying. If, yeah. if you're so concerned about the screw up, you're not going to be loose. You're not going to, there's, there's something with athletes who talk about being in the zone where just all of their muscle memory kicks in and it's just flowing. You know, right. even, they're not even thinking about technique. They're, right. they're, they're engaging. And there's something about that state of affairs that, is, it should be real desirable, but ones will have a hard time being loose in conversation in just the 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 art of doing life if they're if they're really focused on the technique and right. not screwing up the conversation as it were. Um, of all things, I was listening to a conversation with George Carlin the other day, and he was talking about a transition in his comedy in which he decided he was giving up on the human project. It was just like, I, I don't, I don't think we're we're gonna do this well. I think this is gonna end real badly. I don't think we're and, gonna make it. That sounds no. a lot like George Carlin. Yeah, but he said it just blew open his mind in terms of the possible things to talk about because he no longer <laughs> cared about getting people to do certain things, you know, yeah. or to believe certain things, you know, yeah. and just starts going down this this posture of very I mean he just it seemed like everything he was saying it was like he was in the zone because he was able to separate himself from from the ends mm-hmm. as it were. And I think that's that's a I, I have difficulty with this in some ways philosophically, but there is something to be said about not being so tied to the end that you know, you just screw up the means of getting there the whole right. time. Right. Well, and, and thinking about someone like George Carlin or even uh, John Stewart or like some of these, some of these comedians that are trying to use their platform to show people how much they're screwing things up. Yeah. <laughs> is it, it's so interesting that like letting go of the outcome makes you better at your job. Yeah. Like, the, that's the, it. like George, 
John Stewart is a fantastic comic and an absolutely stunning advocate and and the work that he's doing is so so good and if he was if he was completely uh like if he had the mindset where if this doesn't work then we're all doomed i i don't think that he would be able to focus on what needs to be done right now yeah, it'd be crushing. Right. And 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 for Carlin, he he's able to get up there and just say some of the most outlandish, inflaming things because he doesn't care about the outcome. He just wants to show you he wants to do the best job that he can of showing what's messed up. Yeah. And and I think if he was focused on doing everything perfectly, on on getting people to a certain point, then he wouldn't be able to do his job well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it like he he would be pulling out his hair because people aren't getting it, you know. And this is one yeah. of the places where ones really struggle is that like doing it right, getting getting yourself, getting others to uh, the the end goal of whatever you, you envision of how the world should be, you're pulling out your hair like it. You're you're running that it, it's a it's a hamster wheel. You're not going to get there. All of this comes from their fear of being corrupted. Uh, ones don't want to have anything toxic inside of themselves. When, as we're talking, the the thing that I think I learned most from aggressive types is how to be more out there and and screw up. Three sevens mm-hmm. and eights, yeah. you see their screw ups all the time. Um, we see your screw ups threes, by the way. It's true. The, the <laughs> but they also immediately reframe it. It's true. So, yeah. but the seeing them screw up and move forward. They're not corrupted. I'm not necessarily, uh, you see it as a screw up, but easily dismissed, I suppose, for easily forgiven most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're out there. They're they're the person in the arena fighting, as it were. Right. And I don't know, that's at least for me, it's a, that would be my preferred place to be as opposed to being the person that's just constantly nitpicking their technique. Right. Um, where you nitpicking your technique, I think is a good uh meditation for ones to start the year here yeah well and, and i similarly to the the sevens like if everything's sunshine and rainbows the world would be boring i i love bowling i love bowling and this is like i do not bowl very often because it's much like miniature golf and <laughs> and s- many of the other things I love it so much that I can't get enough of it, and everyone I know certainly can get enough of it. So I don't <laughs> do these things very often. <laughs> but like thinking about bowling, if I was able, if I was capable of bowling a perfect game every single time, it would be so boring. <laughs> it would not be fun anymore because there wouldn't be like there wouldn't be goals to move toward there wouldn't be a challenge there wouldn't be difference it would all be the same just just 10 uh, the just all the strikes I, I i don't i don't remember how bowling scoring works but like like <laughs> if if you were perfect if you were perfectly good at everything all of the time you would be really bored like that that's just the reality of life and accepting that might make things a little easier. 
to reference our MCU deep dive again, there's a Hawkeye line where he says something like, I went out, it's kinda, he retired and <laughs> went, shot 18 holes yeah. of golf. Scored 18. 18. Scored 18. That's Just, it. And then there's he was, nowhere to, he, he was so sad. Yeah. <laughs> there's nowhere to go with that. If you're perfect at something, there's nowhere to go with it. Love it. Uh, anything to say here about fours going to their security number and avoiding mistakes? I think that 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 is, I mean, that the idea that like being perfect is is boring. It's it's uninteresting. It's mm-hmm. um, there's there's something about being able to make mistakes and and even because because fours along with sevens and ones are all in like they're all this idealistic kind of of thinking like there there's a there is a best way there is a like this is the way things should be could be whatever the like with fours recognizing like the highest high is not necessarily the best the lowest low is not necessarily the best like like normal is okay like there, there is definitely a connection there between like ones trying to be perfect to avoid mistakes and fours trying to be the pinnacle of whatever they're experiencing. Um, they recognizing that you're not gonna be like the the this idea of avoiding being ordinary or not reaching the pinnacle is it's it's gonna going to help force to embrace that space. Yeah. The word that was popping into my head was flawed. The The idea that force feel flawed. And I don't know if there's a connection there, but that was, that was where my mind went. Yeah. I, I, I think that like flawed is normal. We're all yeah. kind of flawed. There and you flawed go. Flawed is normal. Yeah. And, and but, normal is not bad. But the four thinks that their flaws are somehow. Yeah. Nope. Bigger. Their flaws are, are a different type potentially than everyone else but everyone else has flaws yeah so worth worth naming those yep twos twos are need to meditate on where they're avoiding their own needs um what's the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about avoiding your own needs and how that materializes I think that could be very, very helpful. And twos may not, not even know where to start. In many of my conversations with twos, it's just like, how do you even access that? Well, they're not interested in talking about their own right. needs. What, what do you need? <laughs> just pivot. Yeah. It's, it's not about me. It's fine. What are the things you need, twos? Write them down. And, and not just need, but like, like wanting something is a need Mm -hmm. like being able to 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 stake your claim to say this is my space this is what i like and what i want that is a need for all of us because we need to exist we need to be a person who has wants and desires and 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 like is different from other people and is not just a, a an automaton servant yeah, they these cannot be when you write when you're in your space by yourself writing things down. You say, "What is it that I really need?" You can't say, "I need to be a a better support for Joe." You yeah, know, it can't yeah. be about other people. Yeah. <laughs> this is Kevin. Yeah. 
What do you need? And we're and we're also not talking about like I need shelter and water and food. Like that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like like you need to be respected. You need to be the one who chooses dinner from time to time. You need to um you need to have opinions. You need to to be your own person and and to be able to to say and do things that you want. And and so often twos are, are the the avoidance of it's not just about avoiding themselves, but it's also they don't want to put their neediness onto other people. Yep. And there's a reason. It's because they fear being unwanted. Right. And another thing worth naming here is that the fear of being unwanted comes is really going to be a power behind avoiding your own needs. Right. Because if I put my stuff onto someone else, they might it might be too much for them. It might be that they might kick me out because I need something from them. And you are a human being with needs and that is not a bad thing. And if someone's going to reject you because you want to decide what's dinner, what's for dinner once in a while, that person doesn't deserve you. Yeah. Because you are a person with needs and that is a good thing. Balance. It's again coming back to balance here. Um, I think that's that would be helpful to write down again ones, twos, and sixes. Very helpful to get things on paper. But for twos, where do you feel unwanted, and is and that shaping how you're acting, and where are you avoiding your own needs in the relationships that you have, Uh, work relationships, home relationships. I think that'd be really helpful. The thing that's unfortunate for twos and nines, I'm trying to think of other types that are kind of like this, when they engage those places, when nines engage conflict, when twos showcase this is what I really need, it can come out kind of awkward because mm-hmm. they're not practiced at it. Right. They're, right. Uh, Especially if it comes out of a stress place. Yeah, right? Yeah. So I suppose with all these things, there's the places that we just don't do this well. We got to train ourselves <laughs> a little right. bit. Right, right. I did like the idea that you kicked out. Just select where you want to go to dinner for everybody. Yeah. Said, no, no, no. Yeah. We're out there. We, we're eating chop suey tonight, y'all. Uh-huh. This is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Reactive types. We just drive everyone nuts. That's <laughs> a, I'm, 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 I'm with you on this one. It's like, so where you want to go? And then I will process that and react to it. Um, eights, do eights avoid their own needs? I mean, because needing something is a vulnerability. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I didn't put it in that way. There's like, eights will get out there and get the thing. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about. It's like the, what you need is actually often five layers deeper than that. Right. Right. And also letting other people help you take care of your needs sometimes. Mm, yeah. Like they, this, these, I, I think this goes hand in hand with, a, a, like, this is a big place where twos and eights meet is that letting other people help you is not vulnerable. It's not needy. It's being human. Yeah. This is again a point of connection. Yeah. Yeah. Let other people engage in those spaces. That's good. I like that. Um, moving to threes. 
What's the first thing that comes to mind, three, is when you think about avoiding the appearance of failure. And sometimes it's not just the appearance of failure. You're actually, you're avoiding failure. Right. Um, but I think that's part of, of what they need to learn. Is yeah. that, that you're not just trying to be excellent. You're trying to make sure that nobody sees you fail. Mm-hmm. And, and like just, just peeling back layers one by one to get to the point where you see, oh, this is actually all about how I look. That is really, really important for threes. You see this all the time if you watch sports, a game ends, especially big games. And if they ever interview the losing team, often, oftentimes there'll be some athletes that immediately kind of check out and say, mm-hmm. well, it wasn't as important, or I, I got injured there in the third quarter, so I wasn't able to perform, or, you know, it's it's this, uh, it doesn't matter as much, and it's because you you don't, if you had really tried, if you had put your full self on the line and didn't come through, then you'd be a failure. Right. You know? Right. I'm real interested in that right now. Yeah, I love seeing those kinds of gets, you know, my vast experience with seeing sports <laughs> interviews. I love seeing the ones where the like the the losing person, the coach, the player, whatever, just just out loud says they were better than us. Yeah. It's like that that's beautiful to me. That that's like that being able to acknowledge that like you just didn't win because you weren't good enough. I love that. Like, cause you know, for the most part, there's always going to be someone better than you Yeah, and someone else beating you does not make you a failure. So yeah, the ability, those abilities are, uh, that can be powerful. There's a video that just went out. um, Since we're in Colorado, uh, one of our local athletes, Shannon Sharp, hall of fame, uh, tied in for the Denver Broncos, got in a fight, a public fight in uh, at a Denver Nuggets game. Really? Yeah. But he had, well, I don't know if he was like fighting, fighting. I didn't actually see any of this. I just saw the apology. <laughs> uh, but there was some sort of confrontation that took yeah. place and, and it, it looked like it was a big to-do based on the pictures that I saw. True. Well, he got up, he has a TV show on ESPN and he spent three minutes apologizing and he went down like eight different people who he not only apologized to, but talked them up, said, this is how I value you. Mm-hmm. And this and this was inappropriate. And it was everybody from the people he was having an altercation with to his family to his agent, who apparently was in the building, like courting somebody to get them on his, you know, to to have his services. And, and Shannon Sharp is down there is my guy as well. Oh, what is he oh, doing? Don't look oh, don't go there right he's, now. He's, he's, <laughs> You mean the one throwing the punches? No, not. I mean, don't look over there. <laughs> well, well worth finding. It was more. It looked like it was a verbal spat sure. more than anything else. But I was, I was watching that, saying, "How is it that nobody in the political realm knows how to do this? This right. is the easiest thing in the world to step forward and just own your garbage." Yeah, there's a um, the last season of. Uh, TV show Brooklyn Nine Nine, which you have not and will not ever watch. I'm <laughs> I'm true. totally fine with that. Uh, they they do a lot about um, qualified immunity and like it's all it's a show about police. And the last season happens within and post pandemic, and so there's a lot of conversation like like with George Floyd and and all of the things that are the conversation that's happening in the world about police right now. And um, 
And one of the things that they talk about, like there, there's an episode where the main character uh, arrests the wrong person and the the union leader is like, don't ever say you're sorry. Don't ever say you made yeah. a mistake because that is when you get into legal trouble. Right. We're going right. to do everything we can to make sure that you are protected from any kind of backlash because you're just doing your job because your job is hard. And if you say you're sorry, then you acknowledge that you messed up. Yeah. And this is part of why politicians don't say they're sorry because if they are sorry, then they are the ones that are at fault. Yep. And, and much like, because we're talking about the Enneagram and not politics, much like threes avoiding this appearance of failure, it doesn't matter if they actually made a mistake. The thing that they need to put out there is that it is that they, they, they need to project this image of not ever making mistakes, of not ever screwing things up, of not ever failing at what they try. Because other people seeing it, that's where the real failure comes in. Not to discount that threes threes actually want to succeed. Right. And and win. And still it, but there there is the I know my standing based on what other people tell me about myself. Right. And that's just how that's threes well, I don't know if it's inescapable, but that's certainly how they come to the world initially. Right. Yeah. That is the simplest way to describe this idea of the fear of being worthless, is that whatever threes are trying, whatever thing they're doing, whatever, whatever thing people see them doing, if they're not good at it, then they're not. Like they, they, they just have no value. Because yeah. this is all they are, is what other people see them doing. Yep. Which is false, by the way. It's just a fear. It's how they see the world. Again, that can be ossifying. Uh, if you are fearing failure, again, might get way too caught up in the technique, might get way too caught up in the image, as opposed to the actual success. Right. Worth writing that down. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about avoiding failure or avoiding the appearance of failure? Does that work for you on nines? On nine side, you go security? You avoiding the appearance of failure? Yeah, absolutely. There, there's, I mean, the, I can more easily see the, the tie back to my primary motive with this type because I live here um, mm -hmm. than, than I have acknowledged with other uh, every other type we've talked about. But, like, if people see me fail, then that might lead to conflict, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I don't... I don't ever want to deal with conflict. And also I don't really want to ever work that hard. So I, I don't want to do things that I'm not going to be good at because I don't, I don't want to work that hard. So yeah, I can totally see that, that I, I want people to see me as good at the things that I'm doing because it's easier because it avoids conflict because yeah, it's, it's all over that. I totally see that. Thank Fours. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? When you think about avoiding being ordinary, this again can be an outward thing and an inward thing. I think there's the emotional life that's inside me that might feel ordinary. There's also my presentation. Mm -hmm. um, what comes to your mind as you're thinking about fours and their avoidance of the ordinary? We actually teed this up a little while ago, but yeah, there's a there's a sense of like normal is boring, normal is bad, like middle of the road is is uninteresting and will not make a stamp on the universe. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, um, and that's, there's, there's so much about this. If I'm just like everyone else, then, then who am I? And, uh, then, and, and like the, this comes out in this, like, like we talked about the high highs and the low lows, like fours want to experience the biggest version of whatever emotions they're feeling. And, and they lean into that. And, and if they're sad, they want to be sadder. If they're happy, they want to be happier. And the, like the, the outward expression of all of this is also like, they, they can't be just like everyone else because ordinary is a thing to avoid. All of that stems from the fear of being insignificant where right. again, something worth writing down. Where do you feel insignificant or where do you feel the fear of being insignificant? Those have power. They have power to divert us from the things that are ours to do that are healthiest self. We can get stuck in that space of just trying to manufacture significance. Right. Well, I think for, for fours, um, there, that, they're so good at introspection that I think like one really good practice would be to, to start to examine why normal is insignificant in your mind, in your heart and your soul. Mm -hmm. Like why, why do these two things mean the same thing to you? What is insignificant about being normal? And, and if you really spend some time in that, you'll start to see how it's, I, I think, rooted in a place that's, that's not really well thought out for you. Is that discovering the beauties that are in the ordinary? Or is it embracing white bread? I think that this is part of it. I think it'll be different for every four. I think that there's the, the reality that, that there is no such thing as normal is something yeah. that, that you can come to terms with. And when you realize that there is no such thing as, as normal, then you can stop worrying about being normal because everyone is different. If you're intentionally trying to be like everyone else, you're still not. It doesn't matter. There is no such thing as normal. And when you, when you start to pay attention to the fact that normal and insignificant meet are, are in the same place in your mind but also normal has no meaning, then insignificance starts to have no meaning too. Mm. I don't know if this works, but like there's a culinary, uh, what, movement <laughs> of, of sure. like re reclaiming very ordinary dishes, but yeah. making them, you know, by the finest chefs in the world. Right. So Thanks, like, Ratatouille. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> it's like this is, uh, this is macaroni and cheese. But all of a sudden, you know, it's got lobster this is in it. Truffle macaroni. You're and yeah, you're making lobster. It's like, what? Come on. I mean, it's delicious and I'll eat it. I don't know if that's embracing the ordinary in the way that I was hoping to, but it's, or is that manufacturing some significance because this one has truffles? Oh, yeah. I think that's totally manufacturing and uh, significance because the most boring mac and cheese you've ever had is still delicious. <laughs> you know? Man, there's something to be said about a good old box of Kraft mac and cheese <laughs> with that cheese powder, quarter cup of milk. So, is that the spiritual exercise for fours then? It's just to go get some Kraft mac and cheese and there's, just yeah. enjoy, enjoy it. It's, it's yeah. so delicious. <laughs> Normal is fine. 
I used to, this will gross you out. My, my favorite meal in middle school, let's stay at home. What, what did they call us? Latchkey kids? Latchkey the, kids. Yeah. yeah. Tuna fish and macaroni and cheese of that sort. It was, it was so See, good. You <laughs> say that this will gross me out, but like I, I have tried, I, I have not heard of a variation on macaroni and cheese, especially <laughs> by poor people. I, I've I've not heard of one that I have not had. You add peas to it. You add cut up hot dogs. You put some pepper in it. Some ketchup. Like there's all kinds of things you can do with macaroni and cheese. Ket- ketchup's too and far. Tuna fish with macaroni and cheese may sound disgusting, but it is freaking delicious. It's wonderful. Oh my gosh. You and I, I think, have different palates as, as well. So that just goes to prove the point. It's so good. <laughs> You got to put it in at the right time, though, because if it cools down too much and it's cold tuna fish with cold mac and cheese, it gets real weird. I'm now I'm racing through my head of, of terrible things to add with macaroni and cheese, but very few of them are working. I think the milkshake was the only thing that I was like, yeah, I'll avoid that. Yeah, smart. Were you avoiding being ordinary? That's a worthy thing for Fords to think about. Um, twos, going to security there, where do twos need to think about that? The avoidance of being ordinary. That's a trickier one. <laughs> I think this, uh, my, my first exam, my, my first thought about how to sort of get into this will, will come in a lot when we, it, where we talk about the, uh, sexual instinct for twos, the one-to-one instinct, which is the more seductive type. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it has to do with this idea that like, like a, attracting others to you is part of how you feel wanted it's it's part of how to establish and maintain relationships with with people that they need around them and um so that it's like like you have to be you have to be the the most interesting peacock in order to be picked you know the mm-hmm. so so the for for twos who all have a sexual instinct who all have this this bonding instinct but may not necessarily lean to it there is still a sense of wanting to be interesting enough to draw other people in to make sure people want to keep you and and avoiding like if you don't stand out if you don't offer something that that nobody else can offer then you're going to be cast aside yeah you know that's a great call i think that's i think that is spot on healthy reflection for twos as well. Last one's fives. Um, what's the first few things that come to your mind fives when you think about avoiding involvement? All the withdrawn types are going to probably have a little bit of this going on, but for yep. fives in particular, where are you choosing not to insert your fullest self? What you think and, there? And uh, engage and share and, and bring your full self to the table and, and, uh, offer up things that uh that you normally keep to yourself like that this this involvement this engagement like fives are so easily naturally detached because they want to be the observer they want to they want to be they they don't want to taint the experiment you know <laughs> and uh the this avoidance of being of involvement it it creeps into so many parts of of their lives in ways that like you have the romantic partner that's aloof you have the the 
the person who never speaks up at meetings. You have the um, the different ways that fives don't share their in, their selves, and this includes money and time and resources and and emotions and inner thoughts and like all of the things about fives not fully engaging with the world around them. It has this this avoidance at its center. One of the delights that TJ and I have experienced recently is we have a friend who's getting her PhD in psychology and she, and she has tools for talking about her inner life mm-hmm. such that I don't think this is like, this isn't the most natural thing. I imagine four or fives. Right. And since she has these tools, it, it's actually the case that this, some, you know, psychology is something she knows about. Right. It's a place of expertise. And so when, when asking questions about your inner life, she can utilize those tools to actually bring forth herself. I see this with my youngest all the time that you, I actually get a chance to see them come out of their shell, as it were, when they are talking about things they know about. So we're talking about music and the difference between 90s music and 80s music. But interlace there ends up being what the songs are communicating. So we did like a deep dive into Nirvana lyrics. See, again, I'm just bringing it back, just bringing it back the whole time to Nirvana. It's the Nirvana <laughs> podcast this time. It is not a Nirvana podcast, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> and there's there are po- there are points and moments where opinions come out, and yeah. you know the and why one thinks this and not that about the lyric. And so, anyway, the getting past the avoidance of involvement might be just like really grabbing hold of the things that you're really comfortable in and allowing those to showcase your inner life. I don't know why yeah. I jumped right to prescriptions here. I, th- I suppose that just hit me as we were thinking about this. But writing yeah. down where are the first few things that come to your mind in terms of these are things that I'm really holding back um, and I'm not getting involved in the places. I should. You don't have to get involved in every place, just like right. nines don't need to go picking fights with everybody. Right. Well, and I even think for particularly for fives, like the where like starting to really spend the energy to recognize where you're sharing facts versus opinions. Mm-hmm. Like it it's one thing to say facts about Nirvana. It's another thing to say I do or don't like Nirvana. <laughs> This is true. I hadn't thought yeah. about this. Yeah. If you were pitching data, you don't have to be involved. Right. Right. The, uh, ah. one, of, one of my, my close uh, friends and is, knows an awful lot about the Beatles and the Beach Boys, and particularly the sort of the, the rivalry between the back and forth. Uh, Brian Wilson and... Paul McCartney and like that this is a real thing and he can spout off facts like crazy and you have to get really far into the conversation before he starts to talk about which songs he actually does and doesn't like yeah right there it is like there's a difference between knowing about the skill and actually having an opinion about it Mm mm-hmm and this is a, uh, I see this, um, this is a really interesting thing for me to observe when talking about movies. Because I think there's a big difference between what is and isn't a good movie and what is and isn't entertaining. 
I had a lot of fun watching the first Transformers movie. The cartoon that is does not Michael oh, Bay. the movie, the Michael Bay movie. Gotcha. I had a lot of fun watching that movie. Yeah. It is not even a little bit good, <laughs> but it is fun. Yeah. And and like there's so yeah, coming back to there for fives. There is a difference. We're making a movie, not a film. We're making a movie that's going to get gain us a lot of money because people like explosions. That's all it is. It's fine. <laughs> um there is a really big difference between sharing the knowledge that you have and sharing your opinions about the information. And and th- this is part of involvement. Yeah. Are you a scientist or are you a person? Yeah. You can stand back. The other thing about facts and data is they don't make you look incompetent. Right. If you're able to recite the facts and the data without the opinion, I'm just telling you the facts. Right. And that is the fear for fives is that fear. The fear is that they would be incompetent or look incompetent. Right. Because if I say that I like the first Transformers movie, yep. then I don't know anything about film. Yeah. The opinion does reveal your heart. It reveals your, your value judgments. Value judgments aren't facts. They, right. they come out of yourself. Yeah. Mm. And if you learn, like, pick up tools, like that that fear of being incompetent, if you start to pick up the tools and recognize these things, then you can actually start to present both. You can say, I know that this film is not good, and here are examples of films that I know are good and why they're good. And also I liked Transformers because it was fun and there were explosions. That's exactly right. Yeah. Involvement, the thing, it's, a lot of this comes back to relationships. The, like the, a lot of us in the lives of fives really want you to, you know, not be involved emotionally, relationally, to give us those opinions. Right. To tell us where you're at, to, right. to engage us with your fullest self. Yep. So connecting mm-hmm. points. Yeah. If, I, if we just wanted the data, we all have the, the world of information in our pockets. Like, we can get the data really quickly. Have you had a conversation with AI yet? No, absolutely it, not. It's no a delight. <laughs> it's a I'm delight. I'm not interested in that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to George Carlin and just say, look, it's taking over someday anyway. I might as well get to know it. Nope. <laughs> Getting into AI, but it's a whole actually, other conversation for me. So this was, this is, it actually is case in point here. The thing that AI can't do is give um, opinions. Right. It, it can't tell Yet. you uh, prescriptive things. Like if you ask, what should I do? If you ask those sorts of questions, it doesn't know what to do Sure. with it. Um, or if it, like if you say, what's the best? It'll kind of say, well, many people say, mm, sure. you know, kind of things. Yeah. Um, but it can't, it can't be a, that's the person, the personality isn't there. It's just all right. here's the right. facts because if you never engage and share what you actually think, you're basically just AI. That's what we're saying, Fives. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there, there, there is a dehumanizing quality to all of these things. Right. You know, that's just worth, it's worth naming. It's, you know, in my experience so far, AI is, it feels like Google. It feels sure. like it just is just it's really kicking, advanced Google. It's kicking out things in a much more helpful way. Actually, it's like it's like if you if you said to Google, "Hey Google, I don't want you to send me websites. I want you to answer the question that I put into the Google search." 
Almost like what Ask Jeeves should have been. Yeah, right. What they wanted it to be. Anyway. Sevens. Sevens are going to go to five in security. Sevens avoid involvement. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but I don't think sevens see it that way. Right. (laughs) Talk about that. I mean, because they're reframing and they're, uh, you know, it's when you always have your foot out the door, you're never fully involved. Yeah. You're never fully committed if you always have your foot out the door. I suppose it's the case. Sometimes their fo- their foot and the rest of their body is also out the door because right. they didn't right. want to be in that space yep. conversation, yep. et cetera. Exactly. <laughs> but they don't see it that way. They're because they're fully in, except for you know that foot's out the door just to make sure they have an escape route. But they're fully in for now. Mm-hmm. There it is for fives and sevens. Where are you avoiding involvement? That's our list, man. Wow, we went around the circle. All the way around the circle. And it didn't take us three hours. It's amazing. You know how people could not avoid involvement with us? That was a double negative. You should watch the double <laughs> negatives. You know how you could engage us? We meet monthly through 2023 talking about uh, Enneagram Online. That's true. And hopefully I'll remember to actually show up to the next one. <laughs> TJ was avoiding involvement at our January meeting. That is correct. Uh, but TJ Not is actively the avoiding. father of a young child, and all things are forgiven. Okay, good. Mistakes can be made. No conflict was observed. <laughs> the uh, Once a month, if you go to aroundthecircle.org and click on events... Uh, you'll see uh, links for signing up for our times on Zoom. There's 20 to 30 of us that, that meet and we just talk shop about our numbers. It's incredibly helpful to hear other people talk about their types. Sometimes it's hearing people who are your type talk about how they experience the world. And sometimes it's hearing people who are the type of people you love um, talking through how they come to the world. And I, I recently, that feels like the, the thing that's most helpful. A lot of the banter that we have often is people asking others, you know, say somebody's married to a five and they're like, how does this work for you five on these two areas? And then the five answering is, is just really instructive for the rest of us in terms of, you know, conveying what's, what's in their heart. Anyway, we do this once a month through 2023. And the first one was fantastic. I believe you. (laughs) (laughs) A second thing is we have a second podcast feed, just in case you need more around the circle. We have a second podcast feed called Start Here. If you search Start Here Enneagram, wherever you find your podcasts, it'll come up. It's green and white. This is for handing to your friends. There's all sorts of us who would love our friends to get into Enneagram. They show interest. They don't know where to start. They took a bad test online. It was kind of confusing. Um, It spit out some numbers. Our podcast doesn't do this. We have uh, 21 podcasts that are in order. And really, actually, you only need to listen to the first one, and it will tell you where to go. And this has been a a tool, apparently, that has worked, because we've had had our... 1,000th download Holy here uh, just recently, and uh, it's only been up for a month. So Awesome. So somebody's using it. Winning. But I would uh, just just really would love, love, love for, for those of you who, you know, want to 
to help others get into this material. Hand that, send that their way. Real easy to find. Start here podcast. Just start here Enneagram. We're competing with ABC and their start here news. If you get (laughs) to ABC, that's the wrong one. Take take a right. It it might be valuable, but I I can't I can't speak to it. (laughs) Haven't listened to it. I suppose as always, we haven't gotten any stars for at least three months. Because all of our well. In their defense, we have not released a lot of material in the last three months. We did just fine. Some people are yeah. slacking on stars. <laughs> Actually, we did. I, I take it back. We did like one. We, we went to 250, 255 star reviews on iTunes and 105 star reviews on Spotify. We went. Nice. We, we, we made those marks and then things have just flatlined. Yeah. So if you're new I to the podcast and you like it. Those 350, those are the only... The only people that are still engaged. (laughs) (laughs) They're the people that still love us. If you haven't, it would mean the world to us if you gave us some five stars on on your podcasting platform of choice. Um, Intro music is by The Collection. The jazz here is by the Brian Claxton. And uh, shoot, if you love this podcast, especially pop culture deep dives, all of that is on our Patreon page. Again, real easy to find around the circle Patreon. You'll find it. And we got some, what, we got The Last Dance, we got MCU, we got Star Wars, we got Godfather, we got, uh, um, there's a Jurassic Park in there, I'm sure. All the things. And they're all truly about Nirvana, but (laughs) we do talk about these other topics throughout. (laughs) Didn't get to, we didn't talk about Nirvana in our love songs uh, podcast. Oh, that sounds foolish. I blame you for that. You wrote all the songs. (laughs) There's got to be a good Kobe breakup chart in there somewhere. Got to be. You got any other uh, Nirvana opinions? No, I got nothing, man. He's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't isn't interesting. Come as you are. Especially if you're a mulatto or an albino or a mosquito. My libido. (laughs) 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 That got better as it went. (laughs) 